What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt at it again. Huge week. Both locals in action for football. We have Otani contract news to talk about, the ramifications around that in the entire league, some other trades of note. Still waiting on the Yamamoto decision. Uh, seems like the Yankees and Mets are top players for him still. We'll give our picks, go around the league, score update because Matt seems to be pulling away and uh, so much more. But Matt, how are you doing today from sunny Florida? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm on location for this episode. Um, how about that really tightly contested matchup last night? Uh, I mean, I that was the Chargers cleaned house very, very rightfully so. I mean, what was the final score? I, I first of all didn't watch a single snap of the game, um, but I I was following on my phone, and what was it like sixty three to fourteen or something like that? You were following on your phone via the fantasy app. You mean? No, I haven't opened the fantasy app in weeks. I'm on my bye week, in case you didn't realize. But sixty three twenty one final score. Um, the Chargers. I, I mean, again, we'll get to the NFL. We definitely want to talk some baseball first. But Chargers clean house today. Firing uh, their head coach and longtime general manager. Uh, they might be a team to monitor as they will have a high pick and proverbially uh, a quarterback in place, if uh, assuming they stick with Herbert, which I, you know, I haven't heard anything, but we've seen crazier things. Yeah. Uh, a, a very appealing coaching job, to be brutally honest, with, with Herbert in place. Uh, Austin Eckler, what does that future mean for him? And then a GM uh, shoes to fill. So, uh, definitely going to be an interesting team to follow in the offseason. Not as interesting as another L.A. team uh, and in another sport. The Dodgers landing big fish, uh, Shohei Otani, the big free agent uh, in probably our lifetime, possibly. Uh, we, we've gone over some of the contract stuff there and the impact that that's going to have on the league. But I think there's a much bigger conversation to have because I've the argument now is, is this good or bad for the sport? Is the, the the type of contract, the amount of the contract, where he went, uh, you know, wherever you want to start, but what does this contract mean to you in terms of the ripple effects it might have on the rest of the MLB? Yeah, well, I, I think every league is a copycat league. So uh, I think that we should expect to see more of this. But like you and I just kind of spoke about in the pre-show, you know, there are things – uh, preventing this from just being, you know, like the most asinine thing ever. Like when the news first dropped, you know, there were people who thought that the Dodgers essentially got Otani for like $2 million a year uh, for the next decade. That's not exactly the case. So in terms of the ripple effect, I mean, I, I think it sort of remains to be seen because, you know, this was an unprecedented contract. It's something we haven't seen before. And so we'll kind of have to see how the kinks get worked out as we start to see more deals like this, because I can almost guarantee that that will start to be, I don't want to say a norm, but it, it's going to be something that we see again. Now, you know, is it, is it more beneficial to the player or the team? We can get into all of that, but um, it's not something that I'm panicking about, you know, like uh, the Dodgers are ruining baseball and all that. Um, but I think it's just something to monitor because I do think it's something that we're going to see again. And if it's something we start to see semi-often, um, I think we'll start to see new rules in place. Well, and, and I agree, but there's, you know, there's, there's a couple different conversations to have too, in terms of that. And I'm, and again, you and I, you're, you're probably more financially uh, literate than I am given your profession, but we're not going to go through a whole finance class here and teach you, you know, 
uh, you know, time value of money and whatnot. But essentially, deferred payments are better for a team than they are a player. The reason Otani works, and he's in like a kind of like 1% of this, is in the fact that he's going to make $50 million a year without even earning a cent from baseball, just from endorsements, being in L.A., everything he has going on for him. He's like the face of New Balance baseball. Uh, you know, he, he'll he be fine even if he doesn't earn another dollar in the MLB. And then, again, in 10 years, he'll have uh, $70 million a year uh, into his account, which is crazy. But I think the conversation begins with kind of what you said about, you know, who is his benefiting and who is the who is the detriment on here? Because I think in a, in a sport where the Dodgers, again, I'm going to seem like I'm jumping around, but there's a point to be made. The Dodgers just trade for Manuel Margot and Tyler Glasnow from the Rays, who, and then they ultimately signed Glasnow to an extension, the Dodgers. And I think, again, in our pre-show meeting, we spoke about how Glasnow probably approached the Rays, a small market team, and said, you know, this is the kind of contract I want. Do with that as you may. And the Rays probably took that, again, as a small market team and said, we are not paying you that money. We cannot afford that money if we want to run a successful team. And therefore, we kind of don't have a choice but to trade you. And I think in a world where or in a, in a sports world where there, a lot of the, the talk in all sports, not just baseball, has been around the, the big fish bullying the small fish. I think that this contract is kind of uh, uh, just getting back to that where we saw in, in basketball, right? Everyone was always like, you know, you got to get the stars in New York. You got to get the stars in L.A. But then Giannis goes and wins the the MVP and a ring in in Milwaukee. And it kind of that started the conversation of and Jokic winning the MVP and, and whatnot in Denver. And that kind of got the conversation started of, OK, maybe it is possible to get these you know smaller markets involved. But I think the conversation in baseball and with this Otani contract, I think this might be reverting back to. The, the big markets. And I think that's a problem in baseball. hundred percent, a hundred percent, because at the end of the day, this is the most regional sport that we know. So uh, sure. The NBA nationally isn't on the same level as the NFL or, you know, but it's still, you know, a Giannis can go and do what he did in Milwaukee and it makes sense. And then obviously there's a cap in baseball. So um, I mean, there's no cap in baseball. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know that it's reverting back. I just kind of think, the who you know the biggest detriment i guess or the person who feels the biggest detriment is still the you know the small market teams who can't afford to buy an otani with basically with afterpay essentially a a much larger version of afterpay yeah but the it's and you're right it's to me i i think that the, the problem with baseball and they've tried to fix this and there's probably going to be a cba strike uh in you know whatever that might may come about, but this is going to be something that I think is, I don't want to say it was like a loophole that was exposed by Otani, but there, there is a rule in, you know, in the rule books that kind of says that you can defer whatever amount of money you want. And if you can afford it, you can do it. But the problem is in that line there where all teams can't afford this, the, the you know, the Rays cannot afford this, but I think, you know, the other side of this is, if if deferred payments and, and stuff like this and kind of looking at contracts in kind of like alternative ways. And, you know, we even saw in soccer that Messi got like stock in, you know, Apple and he got stock in the team. And even uh, who, who is the player that was asking for um, uh, was asking for stock? Oh, Caleb yeah. Williams. 
yes. Caleb Williams said whatever team he goes to, he wants to have some sort of share in ownership. And, and you know, you can think about that from a player's perspective all you want, but I think a team like the Rays or a team like the Rockies or a team like the Athletics, who are these small market teams that are trying to, you know, compete for uh, compete for the same championship that the uh, ridiculously salaried Dodgers and Yankees are competing for. They kind of need to find loopholes like this. And maybe not again, not to the extent of Otani, but a guy like, you know, maybe towards like at the end of his career, maybe acknowledging the fact that he probably won't get another contract after whatever contract he's seeking. They might a team like the athletics might say like, hey, here's a, I'm, I'm trying to think of a player off the top of my head, but let's just let's just say like Juan Soto. Right. And, you know, he's the one percent. But Juan Soto is I wouldn't be stunned if a team like the Yankees or a team, uh, probably not the Dodgers, but a team, a big market team signs Soto and, and offers deferred payments or offers. There's even a clause in Otani's contract that uh, he kind of quote unquote donates money to the team, but those donations go to him just renting out a box for every single game for whoever yeah. he wants to have in attendance. And it's stuff like that, that I think is going to, obviously all teams can offer it, but uh, it's going to, I think, Ultimately, in the bigger picture, and again, not talking about $70 million a year, but in a much lesser scale, I feel like it could you could kind of spin that argument back to maybe it's ultimately might be good for smaller teams that they can look at contracts differently. Yeah, that was a that was a, a good point that you brought up, Caleb Williams, because I, I really do think that we're gonna start to look at sports contracts differently. I read an article once, and forgive me, you know, I can't really I can't really remember any of the instances, but it was like the the top 10, like just weirdest uh, sports contract asks. So it's just things beyond the money. Um, and I think when you see what Otani's doing, I think we're going to start to see a lot of that, especially in baseball. Yeah, and, and for sure. And I think that I, to realistically kind of looking at all sports, I, I hope it doesn't creep into football with quarterbacks. And I really hope that especially Caleb Williams and a situation like that where you know, let's just say he goes to the, the Patriots. You're trying to tell me that Robert Kraft is going to give even a, a a percentage share of ownership to a kid that they draft? Absolutely yeah, but, 0%. But I, I, yeah, and when I first read the Caleb Williams thing, I kind of thought, you know, listen, you're a rookie. That's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, I, all it takes is one just really quarterback-hungry team, like a team that's never had one, like the Jets, uh, yeah. to be like, yeah, we'll do whatever you want. We'll trade for them, whatever. We've seen players back out of, you know, the team that drafted them and things like that. So um, I think it's going to hit the NFL as well. The only thing is I hope not because the va- the player value, you know, player to player comparison in the NFL is so out of whack, I feel like, in terms of, you know, quarterbacks and defensive ends that are just so highly paid. And you have the whole argument with running backs. And if you want to pay running backs and the longevity of certain careers in a violent sport like that. I, I'm going to, I guess I'll go against you there. I hope it, I hope it doesn't, but more for the sake of just, you know, it, it would just be a, it would just be a, a, a terrible, I think it would open a, 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 the floodgates of, you know, guys that may not need it or and I think all it takes or not need it, but earn it per se on the field. But, and all it takes is one guy to, to flame out and, and not work out that I think a lot of teams will immediately raise the red flags. I brought up in our group chat, uh, the other day, half joking, but theoretically, and I, I really just ho- obviously hope that this doesn't happen for the sake of baseball, a sport that we love. 
if you know, God forbid, Otani gets a career-ending injury in year two, that that sets the Dodgers franchise back twenty years, at yeah, least. And and speaking of setting the Dodgers franchise back, um, I obviously don't want to talk about this in a negative light or anything like that yet. Um, I think it's a good thing that you know throughout Otani's career with the Dodgers, it's always going to feel like a steal. Um, so he's never really going to get that Stanton treatment if things aren't going well. Um, I think people are just going to be mad at the Dodgers after he's gone, uh, which is a plus for Otani. But when you're talking about a guy who's already not going to pitch this year, we know we can't be a two-way player for too long. Do you look at this and say, like, you know, pretty soon the Dodgers are going to regret this? Or do you look at it and say, it doesn't even matter. The money gets so ridiculous every single year that, you know, in a couple of years, Otani might be the fifth highest paid player in baseball. Not a couple of years, but you get my point. Yeah, so I've thought about that, too. And and again, we consistently see the money in baseball consistently go up and up. And I wouldn't be stunned if in by the time they actually have to pay Otani, you know, 68 million a year or whatever it actually comes out to be in, in 10 years, that that's like a, just seen as a, a high contract. Whereas now it's seen as like double what you would consider a high contract. But I think, you know, realistically, you know, Yankees, the Yankees signed Alex Rodriguez to the at the time, the largest deal in, in, in sports, in American sports history. Yeah. And un, until they won in 2009, again, a different conversation with it not being, you know, uh, deferred and whatnot. But ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is even after 2009 and when they were still paying Alex Rodriguez an absurd amount of money there were no complaints because they won like they won in 2009. And I think that if the Dodgers go out and win this year and the Dodgers go out and win, even I'd even say if they get two rings during Otani's tenure, you won't hear a peep about it for the next 10 years. Think about just the Yankees, the most winningest franchise in all of sports. They haven't won since 2009 and, and guys are ready. Fans are ready to revolt. They they're calling for heads, Cashman's head, this guy's head. Like I, I think that, the Dodgers, if they win two, and again, putting into perspective the amount of of winning that that uh, teams do, and I guess the 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 championship ring uh, landscape of the league, there, I think the Dodgers all they need to do is win one or two, and I, I think it, it literally won't matter to them how much they paid Otani. Yeah, and they're probably set up to win more than that because even after the Otani deal, the one drawback, not going to pitch this year, don't know how long he's going to pitch. I mean, they went right ahead and just they got Tyler Glass now for five years. And oh, by the way, they're reportedly still front runners for Yamamoto with the Yankees. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I mean, again, no, no Yamamoto news as of now. Uh, but it, it all signs point to the, the Dodgers, Yankees, and Mets. Uh, I believe he also met with the Padres, or uh, there was another West Coast team that he had met with. Uh, forgive me if I'm, uh, you know, I'm just missing the team. But uh, I think that there's, he's if he goes to the Dodgers I mean that's this it's already overkill that would just be the rich getting richer but look man baseball is a crazy sport and at the end of the day you there no matter what your payroll is and we saw it this year with the Diamondbacks you're gonna have to win four games eventually and whether you're the Dodgers could probably buy the 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 uh Diamondbacks twice over salary wise and it at the end of the day it it kind of doesn't matter because you, you got to be healthy, be the best team. And we always say that the the most expensive team doesn't win, the best team doesn't win, but the hottest team wins. So 
it, I think it's it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, if the Dodgers go, you know, 130 and 30 and, and sweep to their, their way to the World Series, might be some red flags raised across the league, but uh, still to be seen. Um, anything else baseball-wise, anything on the Met front that you wanted to get oh, to before we yeah, hop into you know football? What? You know what, Sam? Believe me, there is nothing on the Met front. <laughs> Look, I guess the only thing I'll say is, and the more and more that more teams get involved, I get worried for the Mets about Yamamoto because to me, if you have Steve Cohen and you've flown to to Japan to see him and you've you've met with his his team and your team has has voiced their their uh, interest in the guy, and, and the reported now that the video. Mets, the report is now that the Mets don't really know where they're at. They don't know if there's going to be another meeting with Yamamoto. It's uh, I mean, realistically, I think that would again, and I don't really have. When I when I say a bad look for the Mets, I don't want to say that it, in a in a way that you know on the field per se, because again this you know for this year, but I just think that would be to lose a a proverbial bidding war for a guy that you know every every franchise is seemingly coveting. For Steve Cohen, that would be a that would be a tough one to get up from. Realistically, yeah, I mean, very we tough talked one. To, and we talked about this in the last episode. I mean. I get worried when it starts to feel like, well, maybe this isn't going to be a bidding war. You know, like we talked about Yamamoto and we said, well, the Yankees just got Soto and the Mets just sold, you know, and now you look at the Dodgers. They have Otani in the meeting with Yamamoto. What what are the Mets doing? What's exciting about the Mets right now? So that's what worries me is that they're going to lose, you know, quote unquote bidding wars just because there's not any appeal right now. Yeah. And, and again, I I don't mean to just kind of reiterate what we said on, previous episodes but i think the the problem and it kind of began when they kind of said we're punting on this year uh and i think that from a competitive standpoint i don't think you should ever say that i don't i don't think the athletics should say that they're punting this year is kind of my my stance there i kind of agree you know so i i I don't want to say that they they hurt themselves by doing that but uh if yamamoto doesn't sign there and they're they kind of have a very ho-hum off season which if Yamamoto doesn't, it's going to be hard to kind of have any sort of exciting offseason, I feel like, at this point. Yep. Um, uh, it could be, uh, I don't want to say, you know, dark times for the Mets, but because it's expected at this point. But uh, I would, it would be interesting to see the reaction of the fan base if they, they do lose out on a guy that, not for nothing, kind of fits them perfectly. You know what's going to suck? You know how every time you bring up, like, you know, being excited about a potential Yankee move, I kind of bumped my text from last year and said, like, okay, enjoy Randall Gritchick. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen is the Mets are going to get Randall Gritchick. Yeah. And then I'm going to bump that text. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's going to come back to bite you. But, yeah, a, a lot – again, a lot to be uh, – to still to happen in the, the offseason. Definitely some rumors swirling. Uh, we'll have you covered on all that. Um, but let's, let's hop over to football a little bit. Both locals in action. Uh, the Giants going to New Orleans to play the Saints. Uh, where they are five and a half point dogs, and then the Jets uh, heading to Miami. As of right now, Tyreek Hill. I'm going to assume this line is with Tyreek Hill. The Dolphins are nine and a half point favorites. Although Tyreek Hill, I think no secret, but the kind of the key of that offense, uh, very very questionable. I believe. Did you see the, the latest status on him? I I know the status on him. Let me know. You have inside sources there in Florida. He he will not play. Interesting. Breaking I, uh, a panis news. There, there's a reason that I'm here, and I'm not going to say anything more. 
Tyree Hill's not playing. Okay, th- th- that was a joke because I I am afraid that I'm going to wind up in federal prison. But yeah. um, yeah, that he is the key to the offense, and like we talked about in the pre-show, going into his game, if you can alleviate that, if there's no Tyree Hill there, um, because no matter how well you want to play defense, Tyree Hill is in a mode right now where he's going to get his. And he has his sights set on 2,000 yards. There's no reason he can't get there. I think without him, uh, the way that that offense would be neutralized, I I don't think the Jets would have any problem handling them. The way they have many other great offenses, many other great quarterbacks. And if it's neutralized to that point, uh, then we're going into another game where we're saying, you know, can, can the offense prove something to me? Yeah, and and I think last week, obviously, Zach Wilson winning uh, AFC Player of the Week was it was it player of the week or just offensive player of the week? I I forget. I think it was, I think it was player of the week. Offensive, um, I believe he and him, Tommy DeVito both won their respective offensive player of the week awards. And that, uh, as an aside, that is absolutely hilarious in terms of this what this season has become for both of those teams. Yep. But um, you know, for the Jets, uh, I guess I guess we'll start there. We'll get to the Giants second, but the Jets, you know. Sitting at with five wins now, the, obviously the division is kind of out of hand. But you win this game, and you it, or if you win this game, you kind of can talk yourself into somewhat playing meaningful football uh, within the last month of the season. Now, again, the Jets, I think, have a last time I checked was like a point four percent chance to make the playoffs. If you want hope, it's not zero, and I think that last week kind of showed that there's two sides to take on last week with the Jets and. The one side is great for Zach Wilson, revenge game. Let's see him do it again against a, a, you know, a divisional opponent, regardless of what the game kind of means for the division. But the other side of this is, you know, how much of this is just the play of Zach Wilson and how much of this is, you know, looking for someone to blame. And I think that it, let's say, I think Zach Wilson not only lost uh, confidence in the locker room prior to last week, but, I think this week will definitely be a tell of who has control of the locker room in terms of, is it just the players? Is it really, is it Zach Wilson? Is it Salah? And and who is, who's really going to be the one to blame for losing to the chargers and looking abysmal for a good portion of the season. And I think that this is a, the, the performance of this game is way more important than the outcome. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm kind of going into this game and I just want to see, the semblance of offense that we saw last week. That's really it. Um, You know, you lose to a Miami Dolphins team that's going to win the division, but, you know, you kind of leave it out there and and you look just, I mean, really look 70% of what you did last week and you start to feel good, I think, as a Jets fan, at least as good as you can, because like you said, there's a lot of games that they lost and I don't know who to point the finger at. The Jets are hoping that we're all just going to point it at the injury that happened on opening night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going into this game just kind of saying, like, can you please repeat that? Because we've seen Zach Wilson do this a couple of times. You know, we saw the Kansas City Chief game. We've seen moments and sparks like the Giants game. Never, ever does he repeat it. Uh, so in a, a huge d- divisional matchup, I, I shouldn't say huge matchup like it matters. I just mean it's a really good team you're going up against who yeah. wants to get into a shootout with you. You know, hang in there. And, you know, we can look at last week and say Zach Wilson, player of the week, and I'm happy for the kid. I really I, – I root for him anytime he's under center. I root for him. Um, yeah. We still did watch an entire first half where they could not get a first down. So if that happens in Miami, 
the game's over after the first half. There's not going to be this 30-point second half and you're going to slaughter them. The game's over. Yeah, and, and uh, let me say this about Miami. And uh, I, I could, uh, I'm i not going to just sit here and d- double down on everything you just said because I kind of agree with – it's almost a fact that he does not show up in back-to-back games. And especially after uh, a great performance like he had, he kind of just historically has not shown up. Let me say this about the Dolphins, though. And I'm not the the Jets are not my underdog pick. I'm not picking them to win the game. I think that the Dolphins, especially from what I saw on that Monday Night Football game, I don't make guarantees. If they don't get a first round bye, guaranteed first round exit in the playoffs. Guaranteed to quote I, Charles I Barkley. I, I can understand that. I feel like they're not a battle tested team at all. Not not even the slightest. And I think when and this is not a knock on. The Dolphins, this is not an, or I mean, uh, not a, it is a knock on the Dolphins, but this is not a knock on Tua. This isn't a knock on Tyreek Hill, but I just think their play style is, is very much like if you get them off their, off their kind of their, I, the Titans, I feel like showed me this and Mike Vrabel, great coach for doing this. But if you can kind of, you know, limit what they do and kind of get them to go to their B options. People say this about the Chiefs all the time and Travis Kelsey. They're very susceptible. They don't have a good defense. Tua is he's got a great arm. He's he makes good decisions. He doesn't he's not really a turnover prone guy, but he is not the 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 elite playmaker that we we see in, in guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen. And he doesn't have like an extra layer to his game other than just flinging it down the field to, and finding Tyreek Hill. Yeah, to Tyreek me, down there somewhere. You, that is the offense they run. And I, I liken it back to, you know, the Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson Lions that they put up these crazy numbers all the time. Calvin Johnson set records. Matt Stafford was was setting records. And they were a terrible team because once teams realize that there's this the famous picture of three defenders being on Calvin Johnson, once defend, once teams realize that there is no B option, there is no, there you know, the Raheem Mostert is great, Waddle is great, but, there, I think those guys are products of the fact that Tyreek Hill just runs crazy every week. And to me, you get to the playoffs and you you have teams that are the, the best of the best, you know, per se. I, I think it's scary. I would be scared if I was a Dolphins fan. I don't think this play style is is very much sustainable whatsoever. I really don't. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because that's really – you know, if you're a Jets fan and you're looking to get up for this game still, and you should be, that's what I would sell you as to why you should feel confident the Jets could maybe pull one out of a hat here. Because we talked about if you can neutralize that offense, why can't you beat them? If you can play, if you could have a semblance of offense like you did last week, why can't you beat them? Because we did see the Jets limit that offense for really a whole half until the, you know, infamous Tim Boyle fail Mary. So <laughs> if you can, if you can yeah. do that again, yeah, I, I mean, again, and I'm not going to sit here and, and talk about you know how the Jets can uh, are going to win this game because again, I, I don't think they can, or no, not that they can, but I don't think they will. But again, I, I think it's just more of a more of a uh, a a knock on the Dolphins that a, a team that is you know five and eight, you can it's not out of the, out of this world that you get you know if, if the Jets perform like they performed last week and their defense is flying around the field and Zach Wilson is making the right plays and not turning the ball over. I'm not asking Zach Wilson to have, you know, a, a picture perfect second half like he did in the second half last week. I don't even, I don't think it requires that, but 
I think I think it speaks more about the Dolphins than the Jets. Let, let's play a game real quick, kind of round out the Jets talk. Um, the, let's just say games are played on a neutral surface, right? Like wherever, right? What would you put the line of a Dolphins-Bills game next week? Or this week, let's just say. See, that's tough because a couple weeks ago I would have said, oh, I don't know, Dolphins minus three. But now I, I kind of think I kind of think you're getting the Bills at like minus one and a half. Uh, and I, I think I agree with that. Maybe even like minus two. Okay. Yeah. Dolphins, Ravens on a neutral surface. Uh, Ravens minus one. I uh, see. I even go, I'm high on the Ravens. I go more than that. I think, I, the Ravens... I think people are too, but I, I just think you're, if you're kind of looking at a Dolphins game and going, I'm expecting 30 points, you know, it, it's hard to, to have a, a big spread against them. True. That's fair. I, I'm just, this is more so just to say, you know, the two teams weighed against each other more so than the matchup. But uh, all right. So then do, let's say Dolphins, uh, Jaguars. Uh, Dolphins minus four. Really? Uh, see, I think it's more of a maybe I'm, I'm a lot lower on the Jaguars or the, the Dolphins than you are, it sounds like. But I, I don't I don't see it that way. I think I think that'd be almost like a push on a neutral I, surface. I, I also kind of think the Jaguars kind of suck. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not the best. You you know my stance on them, but um, and then last one here, just because they're I'm just going through the division leaders, Chiefs Chiefs Dolphins. Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess uh, I, I guess the Chiefs would be favored by a couple of points. I guess. Okay, so so realistically, the Dolphins right now are sitting in the as the two seed in the AFC, but they don't they don't beat or they would have probably be underdogs to the rest of the division leaders yeah yeah and plus the bills yeah i I would be interested to see the shift on this line if we do get tyree kill news yeah oh yeah and obviously it definitely will um but any other other than rogers practicing and and i did you see the report that he was doing like bootlegs and really quote-unquote pushing himself did you see that today no i mean i think that's awesome and i'm just gonna try to be i'm gonna try to be hopeful and trustful uh, that we won't see him this way every week when I see him, you know, take another step up this week is doing bootlegs. I just want to be able to celebrate that because my sights are set on next year and that's just kind of where I am. So, but it, it really is great that he looks good. Yeah. And, and it's, I hope I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I really do hope that we do not see him this year just for the sake of the team next year. And look, realistically, I don't think they're going to pay Zach. I think, you know, I think there were reports that he requested a trade or, or whatever it was or or requested that they mutually part ways after the season. But um, I, I think that the, it's it's probably in the, bet, the the Jets' best interest, that's a tongue twister, to not play Rodgers unless you can talk to me about a winning in game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what? How about this? Make the guy happy. Let him take a snap. Let him have that, you know, I, I'm the quickest recoverer of all time. Let him have it. And then let's focus on next year. Yeah. And that's that's gotta be that's gotta be the mantra going forward. Um, let's go to the other team in town, the Giants. They seem to be the America's darling, North Jersey's darling, every Italian American's darling now with uh, this Tommy DeVito stuff. Um th- I think you and I both said this. They are a fun team. The Giants are a fun team now. And Tommy DeVito, uh, Giants also sitting at five and eight, playing a New Orleans team that uh, I think, you know, Derek Carr, 
Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara on paper, they they seem a lot better than they actually are. Um, but I'm giving the Giants a real shot in this game. I, I think that I, well, I've really liked what I've seen out of DeVito. Uh, that he has a little bit of the, the Mike White effect for uh, Jet fans that the guys just play hard for him and they're rallying around him. I think Saquon Barkley looks rejuvenated. The defense looks looks as good as it has all year. And I think that there's a real buzz around this team, and I think it's kind of earned. Yeah, I, I think there's two layers to this. Do we want to go over, you know, the Tommy DeVito effect now, what it means moving forward, or do we want to hit X's nose first? Let's let's talk about uh, – I don't want to lean my hand here, but let's talk about the, the I guess, an overarching uh, look of this team. Like, let, let's talk about the X's and O's a little later on, not giving away my pick. but. Let's. I think that the the Devito stuff is is great. It's great. Obviously, it's great for so many reasons. Not only for the Giants' record, not only for uh, just like the buzz around the stadium, but I think it, it's just great for the game in the sense that he's like not a he's not a top prospect or he's not a, a top draft pick. He's got the grit and grind story. It's. I think it's great for the game. And I think aside from a New York team being fun, which obviously garners a lot of attention, it's it's just something that people are going – even casual fans are going to tune in to watch now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think from the standpoint of, you know, a Giants fan, it's awesome because how uh, just – we really just – we never wanted to talk about this team. They, it was so boring. It was the same thing every week. Um, you know, we go back to that Jets game where Tommy DeVito, I guess that was the first time he had taken snaps or maybe the second time and they're not letting him throw the ball. And that's another game that the Jets probably should have lost. So listen, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. I think for me, that's kind of where it ends because I don't know when when we talk about going into next year, I've heard people say that, you know, he's earned the right to compete for the job. I really think that he is much more pomp and circumstance than he is substance. And I think you see it every week. If you look at the line, you just kind of t- you look at the eye test. I don't think he has that other level to go to kind of like we talked about earlier when we were talking about, you know, the elites, which I'm not expecting him to be that, but I, you know, I think he's a placeholder and he's a lot of fun and he gets you through uh, this season. That's where I am now. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the impressive victory to me is, is the, um, this most recent Green Bay one because Green Bay had all the buzz. They they were streaking. I mean, the New England game they put up ten points doesn't really do anything. the The Commanders game the Commanders are terrible. Divisional game that was again that was an impressive win. Kind of the first time they really let him throw per se. But it, it, I saw I thought I saw a lot in the Packers game from Devito that I'm not again I'm not going to say that he should compete for the starting job. I think the Giants should definitely. If they're not going with Daniel Jones, they should definitely draft uh, a quarterback for sure, especially if they have the a pick that high. But, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where – let me put it this way. I think that Tommy DeVito might win the Giants in, uh, enough games going forward this year that y- you might find them in a, in a place where, you know, they might not have that top pick. They might be forced to stick with Daniel Jones. You know, when I say forced – there's probably some contingent of Giants fans that want to stick with Daniel Jones, draft an offensive lineman, or draft a weapon or something along those lines uh, that are probably rooting for DeVito and probably would like to see 
not when you say compete for the job. I think there's probably if you if you ask Giant fans right now, Daniel Jones is out for the the first half of next year. Let's just say for argument's sake, I think there's a there's a lot of Giant fans that would would want to see what they have in Devito next year over blank free agent or blank veteran that could just come in and yes. play six seven games. And I think that that's a real valid conversation now. Yeah, I, I agree. As for someone who's become you know, a folk hero. You talked about how, you know, guys play hard for him. Um, it, I feel like you can kind of go the route that the Jets wanted to go with maybe Mike White or maybe Zach Wilson, where you're saying, well, let's see if we can, if, if we have a real backup here. Let's see if we have that. And I think if you do, this is a guy that you've won games with already. Um, you have a great backup in Tyrod Taylor right now. He is gone after this season. Why not Tommy DeVito, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that, it helps for I, I've said this multiple times where uh, I think the especially in today's NFL and looking at the some of the the ways teams are built now, uh, looking at the 49ers, looking at teams that don't have, you know, the highest paid quarterbacks in the league that are successful. I, I think if, if you're going to tell me that you could see what DeVito's got then once Daniel Jones comes back, you can you can kind of slot him in. But then you can kind of build around and spend your money elsewhere for next year, as well as add on with with the draft pick. Because realistically, there's probably going to be four quarterbacks picked in the top five. Marvin Harrison's going to be in there as well, uh, or probably three quarterbacks. Marvin Harrison. The Giants might end up with like the sixth, seventh pick, and they might get a top two offensive lineman at that spot, and that helps. Plus, all the money that they can spend in the offseason by not having to commit to or having the the future of a, a quarterback crazy contract on the way i think there's a world where you can kind of you can kind of see uh i don't want to say like a tandem of jones and, and devito but i get i could see both of those guys working next year if you build the team the right way yeah you almost just talked me into rooting against the jets this week because i believe right now the jets are one pick ahead of the giants and now we're looking at two offensive line needy teams i, I want the guy yeah, so looking looking at it now, I, only because I had the draft order up. As of right now, the draft order is as follows, and I'll I'll stop at the Giants because they are one pick behind. But uh, the Panthers, but their pick belongs to the Bears. That's one. The Patriots, Cardinals, uh, Commanders, Chargers, Bears, Jets, Giants. Right now, so if the Giants win this week, which I I think they really really do have a good shot to win, and the Jets lose, which I think is the most likely outcome this week. Yeah. They they would the Jets would kind of solidify themselves as a, as a game in Hell front yeah, of the Giants. Let's solidify ourselves. Yeah. Um but it's it definitely an interesting conversation to have. Uh it definitely will be one. Oh, let me say this too, just looking ahead at the Giants schedule. They play two more games against the Eagles. I think if if DeVito beats the Eagles once in one of those games, even if he gets killed the other game, he he'll be a, a giant legend that would have, be tough to pry. He'll have a statue. Yeah, they they would they put up a Tommy DeVito banner. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, let's uh, yeah. let's anything else in the Giants or Jets? Do you want to get into more so this game, or did you want to wait to go around the league to talk about these games more so X's and O's? Yeah, let's let's do it around the league. But my my tease would be a text that you sent the other day that I I'm starting to agree with more and more and more, and I'm going to tip my hand a little bit. Derek Carr is a joke. Derek Carr is a joke, and yes, uh, yes. There, there's t- like you can say what you want about, uh, you know, 
maybe if you're still anti Rodgers because he's old and you could have quote unquote seen him getting hurt and you were maybe on board with Derek Carr being a, a better pick for the Jets kind of the Jets job this year in the offseason or as your big ticket item. Though I think all of those those people are yeah very, very quiet right what now. What do you need what do you need two Zach Wilsons for? One yeah. is fine. And did you see the clip uh that was circulating that was about, you know, the the Saints players like literally yelling at Derek Carr? Did you no. see that? Yeah, no, they were send it to you. But there's a clip of like one of the offensive linemen after a play or so that's it, Derek Carr's like getting up from the ground and one of the linemen is yelling at Derek Carr. It's kind of funny how that 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 well, works. But you know what that, remind, that reminds me a lot of what we saw week in week out last year with Russell Wilson and and the rest of the the Broncos. And then they kind of they changed the entire hierarchy and they're a different team now. So yeah. Um so let's so then let's let's get to around the league. Let's let's Well, you you want to you want to get these picks in? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's do picks first. So um you had a a, a very impressive week. You're kind of in, in a it's a tough spot for me. Uh, just quick, quick numbers update. You are 18, nine and one uh, after going one and one last week. Yeah. I totally missed on both my picks last week and fell to 17 and 12. You have 30 points to my 27. Um, the guest pick also lost with the Colts. That falls to nine, four and one. We only got one pick right last week after hanging on the rim uh, for our, uh, was it the Packers pick? Yeah, the, we had Bears as dogs. Bears as dogs, yeah, yeah, correct. I had the Packers a few weeks back, but um, yeah, I I have some some work to do. You won last week. Uh, give me your give me your first pick. All right, let's do this. I I really love um, road favorites this week. I think the way the the schedule mapped out this week, I, there is a lot of road favorites. I love um, just situationally. Um, so my one point play, I'm going to take the chiefs going into Foxborough. It's a lot of points. It's minus eight and a half. That's a big loss for the chiefs last week. The, the separation between them and Denver is one game right now. And the Patriots are pitiful. I really don't care who's under center for the Patriots. So, um, I'm going to take the chiefs to just kind of figure it out and just smack a team. That's really not any good. So chiefs minus eight and a half in Foxborough is my one point play. It's a good one. I definitely definitely is a good one. I, I tend to get scared away for teams that are on the road and have are giving a big number like that. But I think it's it definitely very justified. Uh, the Patriots are the tank is definitely on for the Patriots. Like you said, it doesn't matter who's under center. Uh, I don't know if we all, touched on this. Uh, Bill Belichick will not be with the Patriots next year. It seems was just going to bring up. Could he be the Chargers head coach? That'd be something. That that no, I mean I don't want to kind of write any you know draw any lines here but it's a very appealing job in a beautiful stadium that has a a very appealing weapon in, in justin herbert a young uh guy that can grow into his own and you, you surround him with you know winning winning ready pieces you can talk like and i think belichick kind of is a win now piece more so than a building piece very very interesting there i, I didn't even draw that line till you just said it but um i like that pick out of you I'm going to go my one-point play. I'm going to go with the uh, Sunday night game. Ravens over the Jaguars. Ravens are giving three on the road here. Simply put, I think the Jaguars' offense has been pitiful. Trevor Lawrence had a terrible game last week, that three interceptions. He got them back into the game, but ultimately he gets outdueled by a 36, 37-year-old Joe Flacco. Uh, And I think that after that, it's a huge game for the Jaguars. 
and I think that the Ravens present a very, very tough matchup here for the Jaguars. The arguably the best defense in the league, guaranteed yeah. top five defense in the league. Uh, that this is a huge AFC game that the Ravens win this. They can kind of solidify themselves as the, the pretty safe one seed here going forward, uh, if not the one or the two seed. But huge game for the Ravens. I'll put my money on them. Uh, and, and I think they cover, they win, they cover the three. And I, I think it's just a bad matchup for the Jaguars. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I think we've seen the offense take a step back every week. Um, they've kind of lost their, you know, old reliable receiver in Christian Kirk. He's kind of like the, the chain mover. Um, and, you know, I think that makes it tougher on Calvin Ridley moving forward. So, yeah, I'm with you. They're just a better team. And uh, I love the number. I don't really care where it's being played. Yeah, I, I agree. The Jaguars don't have any home field advantage. No. Yeah, so uh, I like that. So next pick for you. You got a two-point or a three-point? I'm going to stick with a two-point, and I'm going to I'm gonna take another outrageous line that you're going to hate. Um, but I like it. I've had a lot of no sweats like this, whether it's been the Cowboys with a big number. I've gotten away with these this year, so I'm going to roll with another one, and I am going to take the 49ers on the road uh, in Arizona. Uh, I know Arizona's looked a little better lately. I know they got a bunch of pieces back a few weeks ago. Uh, they, I, I still don't think they're in the same, I almost said in the same class. I don't think they're in the same league, the same sport uh, as the 49ers. And the 49ers are just, they're on demon time right now. I mean, what Debo Samuels do, and I know that you know well enough, um, they're just unbelievable. So, of course, they should beat the Cardinals by two touchdowns. And I don't even think I'm going to sweat this one. So it's your the twelve and a half is what I have. You're you're gonna give that. I am gonna give that. All right, it's interesting. So uh, I hear you, and the Forty Niners are definitely. Uh, you're right. They are going. It, it's crazy right now. I see that ninety six percent of of money line bets are on the uh, the Forty Niners, uh, which is kind of uh, spoken to how dominant they've been, and and I think they win this game. I don't want to sound like I I don't think they win this game. But this screams overlook spot number. for me, and, and it's a huge number. Like they could win this game, they could win this game by you know nine points, not have it be a close game whatsoever, and it would stun no one. And you don't cover the twelve and a half. Uh, it, it's look, I, I don't think the Cardinals have any sort of crazy home field advantage, more so than the Jaguars and other teams, but definitely not of note. But uh, I. I yeah, scare, scares me a little bit. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm usually the same way. It's just I've seen it work so many times this year. I'm going to keep riding it. Yeah, and, and and you're in the lead, so you shouldn't take any advice from me. Um, I'm gonna. I kind of lend my hand a little bit. I'm going with an underdog pick. I'm picking the Giants, and I think it's for two reasons. It's kind of a sink or swim here for me. If they hit, um, uh, it's like a it, or a double down, I should say. If they hit. We have a great podcast. The great story continues in DeVito. I also kind of need the three-point leg here to kind of uh, gain back a, a sweep of a loss for me last week in the picks. And Derek Carr's a joke. There's guys screaming at him. There's He's also, I don't believe he's fully healthy. He was questionable last week. And, and they're, you know, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Very little motivation. I'm not saying the Giants are, you know, in sort of playoff hunt. But again, the Giants are playing hard. I think the defense has been an undersung thing that's been very good for them uh, the last couple games. They got a great win at home on Monday night. Uh, again, going to New Orleans is always, always tough for me. They're a team that I do believe has a little bit of a home field advantage more so than others. I'm taking the Giants to win. 
Derek Carr got rid of that. Derek Carr got rid of that home field advantage. He, he, he actually might have gotten yeah. rid of the, the home field advantage that the Saints had. And that might be the most impressive thing that he's done all year. Yeah. Well, you know so. what? I like it. And if you hit on that pick, that's going to hit like Reagan era crack cocaine. <laughs> It'll be, it would be great. The, the fans would be hyped for that pick if I hit yeah. it. Um, yeah. I would just be contributing to the, the Tommy DeVito party. Yeah. Um, all right. Interesting. Interesting week for sure. Let's let's get to some of these other games because we have uh, we have Saturday football this week and and definitely some some interesting games there. Let's get to the the one o'clock game on Saturday. Vikings at the Bengals. Uh, Bengals have been kind of imp- impressive uh, without Burrow. I think this Browning kid is good. Um, they're given three at home, kind of a neutral neutral uh, line there. I'm taking the Bengals. The Vikings have not impressed me. Yeah, I think these teams were very similar a few weeks ago, uh, and now we've kind of seen the Vikings start to take a turn for the worse, and we've kind of seen Jake Browning start to figure it out before our eyes. Uh, for that reason, I think you kind of have to take the Bengals at home minus three. I mean, it's essentially a pick them, uh, and I just think they've been more impressive. So I'm going to I'm gonna ride with the Bengals there. Yeah, and I, I think it's... It, and Justin Jefferson is, is out again, I believe, right? Yeah, and as he should be, realistically. I mean, the Vikings season is a they're kind of in the, in the middle of uh, no man's land as well. And to kind of risk the guys. Well, they're one game above 500. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think the Josh Dobbs stuff has kind of cooled off. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, they just haven't really been impressive. They've got some bad losses. They lose this game. They go back. They fall back to 500. Mm, I don't like it. Uh, give me the Bengals. Yeah. Um, next game, the Steelers, who are, this is, the, this is the lowest I've been on the Steelers in a while. Um, this is also our guest pick, by the way. The Steelers are heading to Indianapolis to play the Colts. The Colts are giving one and a half at home. Really tough for me to the, the, the guest pick is the Colts giving one and a half, by the way. Um, and the really tough for me to pick against the Steelers here, but they just have nothing going for them. Uh, the, the Colts always win these like weird, fluky games. This this game screams like uh, you know eighteen to sixteen final to me. Uh, and in that case, I think the Colts win at home. And if that's the case and I'm right on the score, I think laying the one and a half with the Colts is the play there. I'm going to give a lot less impressive analysis here. Okay. I'm looking at the Steelers' schedule. I'm looking at the Steelers' record. They have some tough games on the horizon. We're talking Ravens, uh, you know, even the Bengals, even the Seahawks. I know they're going to get to 500. So how do they do it? They have to win this week. I think Mike Tomlin's already thought about that. I think he's like, okay, we have to get to 500. This is a must win. This is the Super Bowl. And you're, you look, you know me. I'm a huge yeah. Mike Tomlin guy, but at the end of the day, Mike Tomlin <laughs> is not you have a, a player. Mike Tomlin poster? No, I should get one. <laughs> if he ever comes to any team like that's like, you know, uh, if he goes to like a college team or if he goes to a team that I kind of like also like, not that I dislike the Steelers, but. Uh, you know they're always uh, they're kind of in in Jets uh, competition every year being in the AFC. Uh, I get a Mike Tomlin poster. <laughs> All right. Um, next game. This is probably the, the best game of the day. The primetime Saturday game. The Broncos heading to Detroit to play the Lions. Lions hitting four and a half. Uh, very suspicious loss that we were all over last week. Broncos it's not just that one. I'm sorry. And it's not even just that one loss. There's something going on with Detroit. Yeah, it's it's weird. So to give four and a half, I mean, it, I know it's your second favorite team, but I'm going to assume you're taking the Broncos plus four and a half there. Yeah, I'm all in. 
Interesting. See, I'm going to flip-flop you there. I do think that there's something sus with the Lions, but I think that uh, they're in a position where I think this is probably, you know, maybe three weeks ago, this this line might be minus like seven. And I think it's kind of a little bit of an overreaction to last week in terms of this line. I'll lay the four and a half, and I just hope that the Lions can win this game. Yeah, I just, I, and I, I sort of agree with everything you just said. I just kind of looked at this game and I thought this might be a good spot to take an underdog. So because of that, I think it's incumbent upon me uh, to take them with the points. And it's your second favorite team. Yeah, maybe my first favorite. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. <laughs> True. Um, all right, so then that, that's Saturday slate for you. Let's get to Sunday. Uh, the Sunday slate begins with the Bears heading to Cleveland. Cleveland minus three against Justin Fields and the Bears. Uh, the Joe Flacco era is upon us. Uh, it, everything uh, they, they have him on the logo apparently now in uh, in the middle of the field this week for the Browns. A uh, big big move there. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> agree with the Browns. Big move there. <laughs> Joe Flacco's face. Uh, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it too. I think the defense is still uh, just too good. I voice my concerns about Justin Fields kind of handling this defense this week. I think the Bears struggle mightily in the red zone. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of that against the Browns. So minus three at home. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Cleveland and my boy uh, Joe Flacco as well. Now let me ask you this. Let's just say, how many jerseys would you own, and how many uh, games would you attend or be watching front to back if Joe Flacco was doing this on the Broncos? Um, I'd have a I'd have a jersey. Okay, it would be jersey worthy. I just think he's a cool dude, man. I just think, and and I feel like the the way that he's kind of, you know, really soaking this all in, it's just a lot of fun. It feels right to see Joe Flacco out there. The, the spiral yeah, stayed pretty all these years. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's also funny that he's not he goes to the Browns, who are probably the like worst luck quarterback franchise in all of football, and he just goes shows up one day off the couch and he's slinging it. Yep. And it definitely adds to it. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the three with the Browns there as well. I think the defense is gonna. Uh, I think Fields is definitely a playmaker. I think he could he could definitely make some plays this week that'll kind of break down the, the Browns defense here and there. But I think for the, the longevity of the game, I think the, the Browns defense will prevail over. Uh, uh, I want to say a much less talented Bears team, but uh, a Bears team that is uh, their record is what they are. So yep, I'll leave it at that. Uh, next game. The Packers hosting the Buccaneers. Uh, Packers giving three and a half um, off a tough loss to the Giants. I think this is a little bit of an overreaction as well. I, I think the Buccaneers are, are not good. They had a good game last week, but I, I think the Packers just just had a, a, a bad game against the Giants, and they kind of ran into, sounds funny to say, but a little bit of a buzzsaw with the, the Tommy DeVito and all the, the hype around the Giants and, and a Monday Night Football game on the road. Tough spot there. You're trying to tell me that the Packers aren't a half point better than the Buccaneers. I'll lay, I'll lay the three and a half with the Packers. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not going to overreact about the loss to the Giants. I've just, I've loved what I've seen from, no pun intended, uh, the quarterback. So yeah, I, I'm going to ride with the Packers too. I, I, I think Mike Evans locked himself up on defense last week. Yeah, and, uh, it just neutralized the entire offense. So I, I look for the Packers to just try to kind of isolate him, take him out of the game a little bit, and yeah, they, they should win at home. What do you mean? I thought Mike Evans left it all out there last week. Yeah, yeah he, he certainly did. And uh, another, you know, another thing here is we're talking about a the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into uh, Lambeau Field. So yes, definitely something to definitely watch. I'm I'm a big proponent of that. Um, 
and again, another another reason to lean Packers in this game for sure. Um, next game, this was your pick. You're on the Chiefs. Big number for sure. I'll lay it as well. I, again, I think the Chiefs have much import on this game. I really do like, I haven't even looked at the line for the first half, um, but whatever the first half line in this game is, I love it. Um, is Because I think the Chiefs want to just kind of put their foot down, kind of show that they can dominate a team and, and kind of get out of there. Uh, hopefully with playing their starters three quarters. Let's put it that way. Uh, so did you see the, the belly zappy video from last week where after in the locker room? Yeah, that was, yeah, dude, that, that was good. I, I laughed for like five minutes. Like he, he, when he, when he goes to shake Belichick's hand, it's like he's meeting his girlfriend's dad for the first yeah. time. It's like a little scary, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I hate uh, yeah. There. yeah, that was, uh, I'm, I'm on the chiefs as well. There next game. This game is terrible. Let's just give a pick and not give too much analysis on this. There's uh, plus three at home to the Falcons. Um, I'm going. I'm, I, I think I'm going to take the Panthers. That's fine. Let, let's let, let them get another win. It wouldn't affect them in the slightest. No, no, they, they can afford to win a couple. Yeah, they, they, that is a perfect way to put it. They definitely can. I'll take the Panthers plus three. If it was three and a half, might have considered this for an underdog pick. It might have been a for two reasons. One, the reason I just said, and two, if I if I pick the Panthers to win their what second game on the year, I would it would just look very impressive. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, I'm going with the Panthers plus three. Yourself, Panthers? No, I'll take the Falcons. All right, all right. No, I don't even want to now uh, analyze that game at all. No, um, I gave my pick with the Giants on the on the money line there. Uh, the line is five and a half. We kind of went over this game, but where are you at here on this? <laughs> Give me the Giants with the line. I'm not sure that I, that, you know, I, I don't know how confident I feel if they actually come out of here with a win, but you look at it and it's a it's a super winnable game. And I'm all in on the Giants stuff right now. So, yeah, how can I not pick them? And, and, I, and I agree with that. Uh, next game we have the, we, we kind of already spoke about the Jets. Big number, nine and a half. I think this is assuming that, uh, that Tyree Kill, uh, or, I mean, looking at player props now, there's nothing really up in terms of, player props for the Dolphins, so this could be kind of like a half-baked line. Um, nine and a half, big number. Uh, I, I'll take the nine and a half with the Jets. Yeah, I will too. Why not? And I guess I'm sort of assuming that we're going to get a limited Tyree kill, and I hope that Sauce Gardner can kind of handle that responsibility. And yeah, the Jets should stay in the game. I would be impressed if they covered the number lost by a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I agree with you. Um, next game, this is, uh, this is a fun one too, I guess. Uh, the Titans... Coming off a big win, hosting the Texans. Uh, Titans are minus three and a half. Uh, again, this is another scenario where there's a little bit of health concern. It, it looks like um, CJ Stroud will not play in this game. I don't believe he practiced uh, today on Friday. So uh, that usually doesn't mean good things. Looks like it's going to be Davis Mills under center for the Texans. I I think the the Titans are if they can assert themselves on the ground and get Derrick Henry going on a good matchup like this, I, I think they can handle this. And, and I think three and a half is too low. CJ Stroud's not under center. Yeah, I don't want to overreact to the loss to the Jets or anything like that because the Jets' defense is what it is. They're obviously a better defense than Tennessee's. Um, but when you talk about the injuries for Houston, I mean they get Dalton Schultz back this week. And I think you're going into this week with Noah Brown, still really your wide receiver one, and it's just not enough. You know, I mean, we, we watched them last week just look down the field, look down the field, no one's open. Um, so until they get a little healthier, um, you know, I, I think I like the Titans here. 
But the, yeah. I promise it's not an overreaction over the loss to the Jets. I just think, I mean, and even if CJ Stroud plays, this is my pick. I, I just think they're kind of going through it right now. Really? You're, you t- I see, to me, I think I lean, if Stroud plays and it's more of like an even line, I think I still like the Texans because I, I think the Titans defense is, is really the one in question here. Um, but albeit kind of have to analyze this as it is, uh, I'm going to take the Titans minus three and a half there. Uh, you're laying the big number here with the 49ers and the Cardinals. Am I crazy for taking the Cardinals plus 12 and a half? Because I think it's just an overlooked spot. Call me crazy. Uh, I'll take the Cardinals plus 12 and a half. I'm not saying that they're going to hang in this game. I'm not saying that this is going to be a game, but I can see. I, I, I think it's harder for me to see this being a blowout than it is, you know, the Cardinals just backdoor covering in garbage time is kind of how I see this game going. Yeah, and on top of that, the 49ers played it recently against. You know, some upper echelon opponents, they've played a lot of primetime games. I mean, you're kind of just going to Arizona this week. That's all it is. So, yeah, not, I, not see what you mean. I see what you mean by the overlooked spot for sure. Um, next game, we have the Rams giving six and a half at home to the Commanders. Uh, I thought the Rams, I still think the Rams, and we talk about this all the time, but I still think the Rams are a very formidable team that they, they get overlooked, but I thought they looked really good last week in a game against the Ravens that they, they, hung in there to the very end and you're telling me that this commander's team is a serious team still no I, no I, I, the residue of that uh super bowl team of the rams it's it's still there and i'm i'm willing to just say that they're a good football team i think that's what they are and i think the commanders are a bad football team so yeah at home um win by a touchdown yeah i, I think they should cover that but can we get terry mclaurin involved and this isn't a salty fantasy owner take this is like a like a sam howell what are you doing kind of thing because we've seen this guy be a game changer, and he's hardly a part of the offense. Partially fantasy baked in there, but I'll, I'll agree with you. Well, it's, it's fantasy baked because I know so much about it because I see it every week. But it's yeah. not saltiness, you know. I, I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, look, they they're a, they're a team that uh, the Commanders they sell in the middle of the year, and they they kind of find themselves in a way that. Uh, they're kind of they're really in no man's land. I think a lot of people definitely do like the, um, the just the like they, they kind of like Sam Howell. He's like top five in passing yards, uh, and it's it's a little bit interesting to see that on a team I like guess, that. But he's, he's probably also like top five in like passes thrown during garbage time, getting sacked as well. And, That's true. And as well as just you know, it's 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 a kind of a a blanket statement to just kind of say you know he's top five in passing, but. Uh, it is what it is. I'm going to lay the points with the Rams. Yourself as well? Yep. Cool. All right. Big game. Here's probably the, the second biggest game of the day, in my opinion. Um, well, may, honestly, this this might be the, the biggest game in terms of talent-wise. The Bills giving to, to the Cowboys in Buffalo. Again, you said it yourself. Uh, with with um, What game was it that you said they were going on the road here? Oh, the Buccaneers going to Lambeau. Cowboys, uh, a turf team. Going to Buffalo dome uh, team. It, as uh, yeah, a, a dome team that is going to play in, in the outdoors in Buffalo. Let me say this. Uh, I just, uh, I'll let you have your two cents. I'm going to take the Cowboys uh, to win this game and ultimately cover the two points. And I think that this is not necessarily, and I agree, it's kind of going against what you just said in terms of you know the outdoor teams or whatnot. And all signs you're going to point to, like trend-wise, are going to point to uh, you know, picking the, the Bills to win this game. But 
I look at the Bills and I look at a team that they have a Josh Allen who's a grinder. He throws the ball around constantly. And I think that this Cowboys team is is kind of just they capitalize on so many mistakes and it going against a team that have we've seen for weeks now constantly make mistakes and constantly make boneheaded mistakes and not just the quarterback but putting the ball on the ground for via running backs and, and running the wrong route there's bonehead plays here and there uh, I think this is just a, a bad matchup for the Bills the over under is 50 this game I love the under and in a close game I'm taking the better defense I think I'd take the Cowboys here plus two that's exactly my reasoning, and that's the way I feel. I like Dallas here. Uh, I think just over the, the stretch of the season, I don't even know that you could argue uh, Dallas has been the more impressive team. You look at the Bills last week, I mean, they, like, you know, they, they come up with a win against a really good team in the Chiefs. It, it takes some controversy at the end. Um, I, I think the Bills have improved, obviously. I still am just more impressed by the Cowboys. So on a neutral surface, I love Dallas. In Buffalo, I like them, and I'm taking them with caution. It, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm kind of happy that we're in lockstep there because, again, these, these picks really don't count towards our uh, towards yeah. our, our actual pick segment. But I, I think that this is a game that is a is a temperature check for both teams, and kind of both literally and yeah. metaphorically. But the, you know, if the Cowboys go here and they they lose this game and they get I don't say I don't think they're going to get blown out per se but if the Bills win this game I think the rhetoric around the Cowboys is going to be you know they're a great team on turf but they get a bad matchup where they have to go outside which kind of puts the the uh, importance of the being the one seed and, and kind of winning the NFC East into a much bigger perspective like to me the Eagles and the Cowboys are very very comparable teams but you know, you, you get to, if Dallas has to go to Philly versus playing Philly in Dallas in the playoffs, essentially, that's a huge swing. And I think it's definitely a thing that will be uh, something to watch here. And I think, you know, if the, if the Cowboys lose this game, it, it'll obviously kind of make the NFC East way more, I don't say way more exciting, but definitely gets it even tighter than it is. And I think that it, it's it'll speak, the, the way this game is played will speak volumes to the future of the NFC and the future of the NFC playoffs, to be honest. Yeah, I, I really wish I could kind of, you know, hack the system and flex this game to primetime because it's one of those weeks where you're getting two excellent teams, you're getting a big matchup, and they both really need the game. Yeah, and it's uh, the, the Bills probably more so than the Cowboys because the Cowboys can can lose this game uh, and then kind of sit back and hope that the, the Eagles lose on uh, Monday night to the Seahawks and kind of kind of sit pretty there still, but yeah, and, and you know, as for the Bills in terms of the AFC, they're uh, this this game could be uh, kind of knock them, get them to the outside looking in. So yeah, I'm just want to talk about hungry really, dog. They're one short bad stretch away from missing the playoffs, and that's crazy to say. Um, you know, you assume they're going to be fine because they do have the Chargers and the Patriots back to back on the horizon, but they do finish up in Miami. Um, so we'll see. So this is a huge game for the Bills because uh, you kind of have to finish. Two and two. At you, the worst, you, ha- you worst. have to. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. At the worst, you're, you're right. Um, but so, so we're both in the Cowboys. There, um, I already gave my my side here on the Ravens Jaguars. Are you on the Ravens as well with the uh, giving the three points? Yes. Cool. Yeah, I just think they're the better team. And if if Trevor Lawrence goes and wins this game, I'll be I'll be impressed. And but all the times that I've said that about Trevor Lawrence, he has not shown up. 
to say yeah. the least. So um, let's let's see what he does against uh, arguably the best defense in football. And then to round it out, uh, kind of a, an important Sunday night or Monday night game here. The Eagles heading to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Seattle's plus three. I'll be honest. This is a complete overreaction to what we saw with the Eagles. I think they they absolutely trounce the Seahawks here, and they're they're a home field advantage team. But I think the the spark of the Seahawks has gone away. I'm all over the the Eagles minus three. If I had one more pick, I would take the Eagles minus three as my one more pick. Yeah, I am too. I'm not shocked by the line just because we always see Seattle get just a tremendous amount of respect at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, any time you can get the Eagles minus three against a team they're, you know, really exponentially better than, um, how do you not ride with the Eagles? So that that's one of the games that I really like on here. Yeah, and it's I'm happy that one's on Monday night because the Eagles are just a fun team to watch. I'm out of I have a lot of Eagles stock in, in my fantasy team. I'm on a bye week in case uh, the listeners haven't realized. So I'm, I'm yeah, sitting you, pretty. You told us this episode actually. Yeah. I I was trying to get three times to tell the audience in, but yeah. I guess there was only two. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else you want you want to get to before we get on out of here and, and kind of sit back and hope for some yeah, Yamamoto I, I have, news? I have one, one question for you. So I snuck into the fantasy playoffs. So you have a bye week. I don't. Um, when, you, when you're flipping through the schedule and you're looking at my game, in your heart of hearts, who are you rooting for to win? Not, not that you're necessarily rooting hard for anyone to win, but if you could choose a winner to come out of this, do you want me to come out of this or do you want Dan to come out of it? Uh, for the sake of the podcast, I'll root for you. Let's put it that way. Well, I also think for the sake of yourself. Uh, I, um, I'm cool. Not worried. <laughs> Not worried. Right. Not worried. Okay. Oh, I got I got to I got to win this game now because I, I need I need the week of. I, I need to play you in the playoffs. I, I need the week of prep. I need the shit talk on the podcast. I need all that. Myself as well. So uh, best of luck to you this week. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to assume that a lot of our listeners are. Uh, in either in the fantasy playoffs in, in one of their leagues. So if you are, best of luck to you uh, from the king of fantasy himself, uh, self-crowned. Um, yeah. Love my fans. And the, hey, if, uh, you're in the, if you're in the consolation bracket, delete the league. Delete the team. <laughs> don't join back next year. <laughs> don't join. <laughs> it's, do yourself a favor. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. If you got to this point, uh, again, best of luck in any fantasy playoffs. Hopefully get some Yamamoto news that we can talk about next week. And hopefully one of these teams pulls off a win that uh, can kind of be a, a, a I want to say a season-shifting win, but a mood-shifting win, I'll say, where you can kind of talk us into some more meaningful games going forward. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, and as always, peace out. <laughs>